Returning to uh, Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. This is a, another one of those passages of Scripture that's appropriately familiar and commonly used during the Thanksgiving holidays. Now, I've used this passage before. However, we want to be sure, as we look at the uh, attitude of gratitude or a heart of thanksgiving, we cover this passage of Scripture. You will agree, of course, it's very significant. And perhaps this uh, situation is painfully familiar. I mentioned, of course, uh, this morning about praying hard about things, and then maybe we need to thank Jesus just as intently when our prayers are answered. And this is one of those situations in Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet and giving him thanks, he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word and for the stories about Jesus. And we thank you, Father, for the reality of each of these miracles. We know they happened. And we know, Father, that you're still in the business to save souls and to, and to salvage ruined lives. And we ask that you would help us to share this ability and this love with the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And you look, of course, at the, the verb structure here. What it's saying is he passed along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And that would explain something that we'll look at here in a little bit, that he was on the border of both regions. Because we see in this passage of Scripture a sad and tragic equalizer. Because I think all of us know, if you've heard me preach any length at all, as we look in the New Testament, especially in the Gospels, the Jewish people and the Samaritans really had no contact with each other. And when they did have contact with each other, it was not pleasant contact with each other. They were at odds with each other. There was extreme dislike on both sides between the Samaritans and the Jewish people. Both of them wanted to stay away from each other. Now you have a group of men who are traveling together, and we know that by Jesus speaking, nine of them were Jewish men, and they were allowing a Samaritan to travel with them. So you had Jewish people and Samaritans traveling together. Normally, they would never associate, but because both societies had banished these men as per the law, Leviticus chapter 13, Numbers chapter 5, it talks about the lepers have to be removed from the camp 
and have to be removed from society. And the reason for that is because people are horrified at this disease. And they did not want, of course, to be infected by a leper. So they would banish them to the outside of the camp, especially as they were traveling through the wilderness. And those laws were laid down and people adhered to those laws. You could not stay in your home. You couldn't stay in your town. You were banished to the outskirts of town. There was a prescribed uh, length, uh, the distance that you had to keep from people. And if you were uh, upwind from then, it was even bigger. And they, they had the permission to throw rocks at you if you got too close. So we understand lepers were banished. And here we have Samaritans and Jews who are normally at odds. And each of them found much needed support and help in each other's company. Isn't that something? That what brought them together and what made the, lay, the playing field plain, so to speak, and levelized the ground was tragic and sad news. I've seen this happen. I can remember when uh, Jody McNeil was so sick the last time he was in the hospital, we just pretty much stayed in the, the uh, intensive care waiting area 24 hours a day. And we were in there with several families. There was another family in there, a black family. Uh, they owned a barbecue place there in town. One of their family members had been shot. And uh, we got really close to that family. There was another family in there, a Muslim family, because we were talking at that time about Ramadan and things like that. They had somebody that was very ill in the hospital, and uh, they were trying to look for answers too. And so all these families who normally wouldn't even cross paths, and if we cross paths, we may not feel like we have a lot in common. Uh, we all begin to lean on each other. And I saw that they leaned on us. We talked to them. They shared their sorrow with us. They asked us about our sorrow. And we understand that suffering is the great equalizer. The rich, the poor, no matter what race, no matter what nationality, tragedy comes. And tragedy, when it comes, people forget about these barriers. And they forgot about their barrier between Jews and Samaritans was, was greater than any racial barrier we have today. It's just unimaginable. But there they were traveling together. Now, this is a key point. This is a key point. This is God's intention. See, God's intention is not that tragedy and pain and suffering would be the great equalizer. God's intention, as we see in the actions of Jesus Christ, is that the family of God would be the great equalizer and remove those barriers. That regardless of what station someone will will be in in life that as we come together as God's family, all of those are removed. And we don't have the barriers that cause dislike and hate and distrust and that sort of thing. But these guys had the tragic and sad equalizer, which was suffering. In their suffering, they had hope. That hope was in the person of Jesus Christ. And we have a deliberate expression of hope in the way they address Jesus. Now we read through here, it says they saw Jesus a long way off and they lifted up their voices as much volume as they could muster and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Now that word master is an interesting word. The Greek word is episiostes. Now, most of the time when people address Jesus that were strangers, met him for the first time, 
they would address him as teacher or rabbi. This is a whole different word. This word is master, and in the book of Luke, it is used only by those who are already disciples and trust in him, simply because this word episiostes, this title, denotes a recognition of authority and power. So as they came to Jesus, and even in the way they addressed him, they acknowledged some hope that they had in his authority and power over disease. No doubt they had heard of Jesus. By this time, his fame had gone everywhere. People heard about him. Here they were, even in their greeting, the way they greeted Jesus, calling him master. They were saying a lot, and they denoted the fact that they acknowledged his power. So they had some hope, or maybe a little faith. Let's put it that way. They had a little faith to dare call him Master, and then Jesus tests their faith even further. In verse 14, they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. In other words, we knew what they wanted. So Jesus, without making any promise, without making any sort of, of commitment to their cause, he just said, go show yourselves to the priest. He asked them to do something. He tests their faith. Would they go to the priest? He didn't promise to, to heal them. He didn't heal them at that time. And so without any indication, any proof, any hint that things were going to change, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And it says this, as they went, they were cleansed. As they went. So it tells me every one of them, all 10 of them, took Jesus at his word and without any sort of guarantee Jesus turned, the, turned and said, turn around and go the other way and go show yourself to the priest. Because by telling them to go to the priest, they knew what was coming. You see, in the Old Testament, there was a very lengthy and uh, detailed process. And it's the same passages in Leviticus 13 and Numbers chapter 5. That in order to be welcomed back in society... The priest had to look at whatever sore that was and whatever evidence of, of leprosy there was. He had to look at it. And there were different prescriptions and descriptions of, and then he would certify that they were cleared to go back into society. They had to have that certification from the priest to go home. So they knew what Jesus was asking them to do. You go show the priest. And they knew what that meant. He wouldn't ask us to do this if there was not some intention of healing. So without any specific word of that, they took Jesus at his word. And they trusted him. And in their faith, they turned around and left. You have to look at the wisdom of Jesus here. He could have healed them. He's done that before to lepers. He would heal a leper and then say, you go show yourself to the priest and so forth. He would reach up and touch him. But Jesus a long way off without touching them, said, you go and show yourself to the priest. And here's what's significant about that. At this time, Jesus, of course, was facing the opposition of the Jewish leaders, the priests, the Sadducees, and so forth. Now, he sends these men into their court, and they would have to inspect these men, and then they would be confronted with the reality that Jesus 
cleansed an incurable disease. I was looking at several scholars that was, uh, of course, detailing this process of the priest looking at people and, of course, looking at the sores and seeing if the sores had gotten any better and looking for evidence of healing. And then they write them the certification, you know, and, and declare them they, can, they were not unclean anymore. And scholars said there was ever, never, ever any written indication this had ever happened that a priest had ever given this sort of certification. So here we have these people going to the priest, the very priests who are opposing Jesus Christ, in their professional integrity would have to acknowledge these guys were healed and validate the cleansing power of Jesus. So Jesus, of course, did something for them, but Jesus also did something to show the priest he was who he said he was. And then we look at the, the one who turned back. The one who turned back, of course, recognized the source of his blessing. He didn't go to the priest. Now, there's good reason for that. Number one, even though Jesus told him to go to the priest, he turned around and went to the priest. And, of course, when he saw he was healed, if he were ever going to go to the priest, he had some unfinished business with Jesus. We don't know if he went to the priest or not, but see, the Samaritan would not have been welcomed by the priest. But before he went to the priest, he went and turned around. He said, look, priest, I can always go to the priest, but I need to go and thank the one who made me whole. He recognized the source of his blessing. Now, I mentioned that this morning. We need to recognize the source of our blessings, the source of every answered prayer, the source of, of every Prayer, we didn't have to pray for safety and protection as God has kept us safe. And he used what he had regained to glorify God. Look close. He said this. He returned and with a loud voice he glorified God. Leprosy many times would affect the vocal cords. It would affect the vocal cords. Very commonly, lepers couldn't talk just above a raspy whisper. And here was a man, you could hear him coming a long way down the road. Somebody's coming back. And with a loud voice, you could hear him coming. It means with a loud voice, constantly he was glorifying God from, from the very time he turned around, not just when he got back. And with a loud voice, he glorified Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus had given him something back. And with what Jesus has given him back, he prays Jesus with him. And what Jesus gives us, our life situation, our resources, our health, our strength, we need to use what Jesus gives us to glorify him just like this guy. And then he receives something even better. So I don't know what's better than being healed of leprosy. I mean, they were doomed to a life of hopeless despair and loneliness, could not go back to their families. They were in total isolation from their whole communities. They were despised. They were unliked. The people mistreated them, and they, they pretty well were disgusting to society. And you say, what could get better than that? Jesus said this. Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, Jesus is not repeating 
what Luke had mentioned earlier. The Luke, Luke said as he went, he was healed. The word healed is used, and the word cleansed is used. That's a whole different word than Jesus used when he said, your faith has made you well. The word that was used, of course, previously had to do with physical healing. When Jesus said, your faith has made you well, it's a different Greek word. It's sozo. It's a specific word. It means to be saved from your sin. It is reserved only for that. So here's a man who was healed from his leprosy. His life here was salvaged and changed and turned around and reclaimed for him. Jesus went back and he said, your faith, the fact that he came back, and what did it say? He worshiped him. That faith, he said, has saved your soul, which is far better than the healing of leprosy. He got something better. And in his gratitude, he turned back and gave God the praise. And, of course, we ask the question a lot of times at Thanksgiving, where are the, where are the nine? Let us not be in the nine, but be that one that turned back and gave Jesus thanks. Is there anything before we continue in the service?